for Seth. No milk, no sugar. Right here. Thank you. To no Milk, No Sugar, the podcast about business beneath the sweetener. Powered by Morales Group and hosted by CEO Seth Morales, we talk to local movers and shakers about what can be the harsh reality of doing business. We cover what no one likes to advertise, but everyone wants to hear. I'm Tori, producer of the show, and today we talk to the OG of business podcasting and amplified marketing herself, Lindsay Chepkema. Lindsay is a B2B marketer turned first-time CEO and co-founder of Casted, an original audio and video content marketing platform. In our Season 1 No Milk, No Sugar finale, Lindsay shares with us the secrets to maintaining a tight-knit culture, going from team member to executive, and the secret sauce that is amplified marketing. It's really cool to uh, be a fan from afar and uh, <laughs> cheerlead and, and also be a user. Um, today, you know, I thought, like, we, you know, we could kind of chop it up and, um, you know, with No Milk, No Sugar, we, we kind of want to, we do want to ask some of the tough questions or get behind the, the curtain and you know, what's not easy, uh, cause yeah. it's not all highlight. Um, yeah. and I know you've been, you've been pretty real about that. I did want to get, like, I wanted to start off, you know, one thought that I had was just the origin of how, you know, Casta got started or what was, what was the, what was the connection with, um, I know there was kind of a Scott Dorsey connection there too. That was kind of interesting. Could you, I mean, just, uh, to give everyone kind of a, some context, get, get, give us a little bit about how Casta got started and your, your role and so um, my my background's in marketing. Fifteen years as a B two B marketer, um, and really my career got started right about the same time that you know content marketing hit the scene, and people really started to think about how to use the content, the blog posts, and the website, and and what you put out into the world to, as a as a real part of your marketing strategy, and. Um, and so I saw that come onto the scene. I kind of grew up with that strategy being a huge part of marketing and um, saw content marketing from every single angle and B2B marketing from every single angle, large companies, small companies, agency and, and corporate. And right before um, starting Casted, I was leading a global brand and content team. And as part of doing that, what I always like to do is that, you know, the more human, the brand, the better. Those are the ones that, that win is the ones that create a real human to human connection, regardless of whether it's B2C or B2B or what you're selling. And, um, and so as part of that, started having great conversations, like, you know, what we're doing now and just talking to our internal experts and our external experts and our customers and our partners and turning that into content. And over time, you know, this was 2016 when I got started and said, Hey, we, we should be we're, we're do, having these conversations. Why not turn them into um, into podcasts and into video content? So we did. And um, long story short, I was I was shocked that there was no software, there was no platform uh, that, that that any amount of money could buy that could help me and my team create this content, take this content, ring out this content, measure this content in a way that that mattered at all, um, or, or had any semblance of just relation or, or was designed for us in any sort of way. So um, nevertheless, we carried on. We we kind of duct taped together our own solution and, and kind of figured it out. But um, over time, as, as our content strategy and our brand grew, 
um, we started to get noticed even more. It was, it was taking off. And Scott Dorsey, um, who is at High Alpha, a former CEO and, and founder of Exact Target, which had an incredible um, IPO and acquisition by Salesforce. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, he's, he's now at, at uh, High Alpha, which starts and, and spins out great uh, startups, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you're doing something in B2B podcasting. Um, we're we're kind of kicking around what that looks like. I'd love to talk with you. Had a great conversation. Told him, hey, it's not just about B2B podcasting. It's about all of content marketing and kind of what what the the future of that looks like. And by the way, if if we do something like if 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 you start a company, I'm in. Like we're doing this together. Like I raised my hand. And um, long story short, that's that's where that's where Casted got started. Was um, the experiences that I had. Uh, the, the shock and awe that I had that, that uh, this platform didn't already exist. And I set out to be the change I wanted to see. And um, Scott and I Alpha were there to, to support that, that endeavor. Yeah. I love that. I love that relationships matter and then seeing kind of a, an unmet need in the market and understanding kind of the, the space and then kind of collaborating around it. For our viewers who don't know, Lindsay and Casted, you guys have had a phenomenal run over the last few years. There's been a lot of growth, a lot of buzz. You got your Series A round of funding, which was really big. That's awesome. You guys have had a ton of growth. There's been a lot of success, but at the same time, there's been some challenges of starting up a business. Like what comes to mind just with like, what hasn't been easy with the startup process if, the, if there was a challenge that really comes to mind? Hmm. You know, like trying to raise Series A in the midst of a pandemic at home while, you know, my kids are here. I would say that was <laughs> that would be one. That was something that, of course, everyone faced, regardless of whether you're a startup or a huge global corporation. That was huge. Just navigating those waters was, you know, 2020 was our first real full year. We started um, my day one was April 29th, 2019. So we had our first birthday in the midst of a pandemic. And then... Um, you know, not knowing. We didn't really have product market fit at that point. We were still very much, very much in like the acquisition of our very first customers, um, kind of not knowing where things were going to go, knowing that I was going to need, we had just raised our seed round of, of um, capital, which thank goodness that was huge. But I knew that there was, there was a clock on that and that I was going to have to go raise series A and no one knew how long this pandemic was, was going to last. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty. I had to get very, very, very comfortable with that uncertainty very fast. Um, you add to that, I think, so that's the pandemic. Obviously, we were all there. I think more for me, and regardless of whether the pandemic or happened happened or not, you know, I went from marketing leader and just that career made sense. You know, I started out, I went to school for marketing. I started in, in marketing and just kind of took that path. And making the leap from marketing leader, knowing the ins and outs of B2B marketing to first-time founder and CEO of a tech company. And yes, I, I'm the domain expert and I know I, I, I wanted to be the change I wanted to see, but as the CEO of the company doing the thing, not, not as the marketing leader. And that was a big change. And again, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, getting comfortable with uncertainty, um, being comfortable not you know asking a lot of questions and, and knowing that I don't have all the answers, getting, getting really comfortable with asking for help. Um, those, I think those are some of the hardest, the hardest things, just the uncertainty. I think if I had to sum that all up with one word, it'd be uncertainty. Yeah, for sure. I think being a leader, being a new leader in that role and having COVID over your head and, and the funding opportunity and the uncertainty, 
I know there was a lot of sleepless nights for us and, and just the amount of pressure and, and working remote. I know that you guys were, were all remote for, for quite some time. And so just going through that where you can't even like collaborate in office, um, it's just, it's, there's a lot of challenge there. One, one of the other, um, questions I wanted to ask you about, I was talking to my good friend, Santiago from Amplify. It's interesting. I met Santiago. I got to really get to know him about four years ago, and he's been through a, a number of different um, series of fundings, and they just had their exit not too long ago where they sold for $55 million. And the before and after of Santi, um, just what his life was like in the pressure cooker, and then talking to him after it has been done, he had different, like, he had a different vibe. Um, how does it feel for you, you know, being in the pressure cooker, like, you said get uncomfortable with or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 100% agree. Like, give me build upon that or talk to me more about just the the amount of pressure that you have and how you deal with it or just what's it like. Can you give us a, like a, a feel for that? Yeah, I mean, I probably not unlike you or anyone else you talk to. I think I put more pressure on myself than anyone else. Um, so I'm, that's that's very familiar. Um, but you know, it's it is different, even if that's the life you're used to, it is different when, you know, as your team grows and, you know, through the pandemic, we, we, we went from 10 to 20, you know, we're now we're at 35 people. Um, so there's, there's more people and more lives and more mortgages and more kids, um, involved in this whole thing. And so that's a lot of pressure. Um, and pressure also, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but just, um, responsibility to, to these people and to this role and, and to, to communicate, which is obvious, but also kind of a realization and aha of like the responsibility to communicate the right things in the right way, the right number of times to the right people. Um, because if you don't, communication is so undervalued. If you, if you don't, things don't happen or the wrong things do happen or people, people say, well, you didn't, you didn't tell me and they're right, you know, or I didn't know. And, and that's everything from, from your board. Like we couldn't help you because we didn't know down to, you know, the people on your team saying, you know, if only we had known or you didn't tell us, or, you know, I thought we were doing X, Y, and Z. And, and now you're saying that this was important. So that I think is the more, felt day-to-day pressure and day-to-day responsibility, at least in this role, um, is communication. Because uh, as Eric Tobias, who's one of the other partners at um, High Alpha, who's just a wonderful human, um, calls it perfect knowledge. So in this role, or lots of leaders, you know, you have perfect knowledge of, of what's happening. That doesn't mean you know everything. It just means like compared to kind of everybody else on the team, you're the one who kind of sees everything and feels everything and hears everything and talks to all the people. And it's up to you to take it in and sift through it and not hold on to it, but make sure that you're actively communicating in the right way, in the right moment with the right tone to the right people. Um, that That's the job. That's the responsibility. And, um, and that changes. And that's not a thing you can kind of just do. It's a thing that you're constantly working toward. At least I am. I'm constantly working toward it and, and actively trying to get better at that literally every day. I love that. Perfect knowledge taken from Tobias, um, translated into casted. I think that that's a really good thought when you talk about responsibility and communication and as a leader, um, making sure that you over communicate what that, what that objective kind of just 
update is to the team. We had our all company today. It was great to be back in person. We kind of had a hybrid all company where we had half the team video digitally and then also in person, but making sure that we communicate and over communicate and communicate in an objective, like reasonable way is, is really important. I was going to ask you just to kind of come back to, um, as you started, um, what, what did you lack in confidence as a, as a founder, as a CEO, and, and what do you lack in confidence today? Like what, so kind of pre and then post, like what, what was kind of missing? Okay. So going into it, you know, I, I talked about this before. So going from marketing leader to CEO, I mean, I, I, I had a lot of, I mean, imp- call it imposter syndrome, um, not knowing what I didn't know. Like I, I don't have an MBA and, um, I, you know, I, I am not well-versed in, in operations and finance and I didn't come into this, um, having the experience of a CFO or an HR leader. I, I'm not a product developer, you know, I'm not a technical founder. I'm, I was on marketing leader track, you know? And so I know everything there is to know about, you know, some things. And I was just very wide-eyed about a lot of others, you know, financial modeling and raising capital. Like that's something I had never done before. Um, and down to some of the, the really, what I now see as really, really basic things that I just, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and so that's, that's where a lot of the uncertainty was then. Um, I, I think kind of, it's, it's not, this whole thing is not unlike parenting where you go into it, you know, I have three kids and you go into it and there's some things, you know, you don't know. And those things might excite you or scare you. But then there's also things that you had no idea. And like looking back, if anybody had told me, like I even have twins and it's like somebody told me, hey, this is what it's like. And these are all the things you're going to have to know. It's overwhelming. But you learn them as you go. And then you look back and you're like, how did I learn those things? Like, How, how is it possible that X number of years ago I had no idea how to do this thing? Same thing, you know, is going into this, what I didn't know. Um, it was a long list and I've, I've learned a lot over the last couple of years, especially raising capital. You know, I've raised two rounds now and, um, there's, there's going to be more ahead and I'm ready. Um, as far as where, you know, where the vulnerability and, and where the, the, the unknowns are now, um, you know, it's, we're scaling, we're in this, this big, we're on a rocket ship. We're in high growth mode. Um, we're at, 35-ish people today and um, some really incredible, huge, amazing customers and people that are doing really cool things like you all. And it's, you know, again, talk about the responsibility to, to grow in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm actively learning and working toward becoming that leader of, of, a, of a high growth company, you know, and, and um, that's where, again, a lot of that excitement and some fears and some healthy um, uncertainties and uh, seeking after more confidence around, you know, being that leader of, of a much larger um, company on the other side of all this growth. And I see where we can go and I have, I believe it in the depths of my bones, um, what casted can and should be. And I believe so much in this team and um, I just want desperately to be the right leader for it. Yeah. No, that's rich. I appreciate you sharing that. You said a couple things a few times. I heard you say unknowns and being okay with maybe jumping in the deep end and just trying to figure out a way to swim, having some good people around you, but being okay with 
not having an MBA or being a technical founder, but you have some core strengths that if you kind of just, you work on it and you, you know, you're going to try to figure a way out. Um, I think it's those, those moments where you don't know what it's like having twins or doing a startup, but at the same time, when you roll up your sleeves and you actually do the work, you can look back in these, these, these seasons and be grateful and be like, okay, I did learn some of this. I don't know what that was like, but now I can look back and it was, uh, it was rich. That is interesting how you don't even know what you don't know until you look back and you're like, when, when did I even pick this up? I actually, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day who was starting a company and, or had, had started a company and was starting to think about raising capital. And so she came to ask me and I, for a minute, I was like, why is she asking me? Like, I, I'm still in that mindset of like, I don't know. And she was like, well, you raised two rounds. Like you just did this. And I was like, okay, I'll tell you what I know. And we had like a two hour conversation and she was just writing things down. I was like, when, when did this, like, when did I pick up this knowledge? Which it makes sense, but you don't, you're not, you're not an active spectator of your own, you know, education. And sometimes I guess we maybe should take note. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good that you were able to zoom out with her and and, and talk about that. And then, okay, so I do have contacts and I did learn something. And now I can actually kind of put that into, you know, writing that I did this and I know how to, you know, I've got a little bit of experience. No, that's great. Um, you, you, you mentioned something earlier that you had, uh, you had three kids two you had said a set of twins and a third, and then you've been married. So obviously you have, uh, just, a, you know, you got a busy family and you're balancing, um, how, how, how are you doing that? I, I struggle with that as a dad, just wanting to be great, you know, on both sides of the field. What, 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 for you, how are you, how are you putting it together and kind of making it work? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, in this conversation, we've talked a lot about, you know, uncertainties in this role and leadership and that kind of thing. This, I mean, if you want to get real, like that's, that's been the hardest part. Um, and, uh, and not just in this role, but in, in growing a career and in being in a, um, you know, our, our mutual friend, Tiffany Souter talks a lot about, uh, dual career families. And, you know, I'm, I am lucky enough and blessed enough to have a wonderful husband who's a great dad and, you know, we're all here and, but we both have really demanding careers and he travels. And now, now that the pandemic is, we're sort of to come out, coming out of that, he's back to traveling again, you know, sometimes, you know, three to five days a week. Um, and balancing his travel and his career with, you know, me leading this company and our three boys that are, you know, elementary and middle school aged. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, um, you know, dropping the ball all over the place. Uh, what's most important to me is that, and it sounds really cheesy, but like they, that the boys always know they're loved, you know, and that no matter what, if we're eating literally chicken nuggets every night, even though I'm a big health freak and like I thought I would, that would never be my life. Like here we are, you know, eating chicken nuggets in front of the TV, but you know, it's while we're snuggling. And so, you, you know, I'm, I'm there. And so it, it's been hard. And I, you know, having to ask for help, having to accept help, which I'm not very good at. It's one thing when, it's one thing when it's working, it's delegating. It's another thing in your personal life when it feels like help. Like that's, that's been harder for me, but it's, it's important and it takes a village and it takes priorities and it takes boundaries. Um, and I don't always do a good job, but, uh, and it doesn't look like I, I thought it would, you know, um, years ago when I thought it would about what it would be like to, to have kids and have a family and a career, it doesn't look the way I thought it would, but, um, you know, the love is there, which I guess, you know, it's all that matters. What's in the bank account. How many, how many hugs and feels and, and love, um, 
That's what really matters. And it sounds like you've got that priority. It's just a work in progress. I think you said it, you said it best, a village boundaries, priorities, like making sure that you have those kind of tent poles in place to, you know, get it right. I, I feel like we're failing all the time. I'll come home and, um, you know, we don't, this week is pretty busy with social activities, like before and after, you know, kind of business hours. So the bookends of the day, you don't get to connect with your boys or with your family. And, um, <clears throat> I've got a, a working spouse who works alongside me here at Morales Group, who's a hard charger as well. So you you can you can understand, but that is just is um, it's tough trying to balance it all and get it right. I think she's got more more challenge. You know, she she there's a, there's a kind of a guilt factor, um, whereas at, at times I'm kind of just like running and um, I don't process the same way as her. But that's it's a it's a challenge for Jackie just with the guilt. Am I doing things the right way? So I appreciate you sharing about that. Um, I did want to ask you this question. So, um, you know, this show is not about, you know, no milk, no sugar. So it's not about the sweetener or the milk. We're kind of getting to the nitty gritty. Uh, can you tell me about a moment, um, you've had, whether it's with casted or in a prior life with uh, a business that you were running or as a leader with, with another company where you just had a, a flop, a fail, just where you just, you sucked something you dropped the ball. It just, it was a moment in life that that was like a good learning moment, but you, you, you didn't have the best outcome. And I bet if anyone who's ever worked with me is listening, they're probably like, yes. And I'm probably blissfully unaware of a lot of them. I think that's how it works out quite often is that you like, you're like, okay, well, I think that was okay. And the people around you were like, what was that? You know, I, I, I can think of a couple of times that all boil up to me learning as a leader, whether it was, you know, first role as a leader or, you know, recently leading, you know, people or, or just the business here at Casted. And to me, the times that, that I think about when I think about, man, I messed up, it's, it was communication. And we've talked about this before is, you know, either information that I held on to or blurted out. And I'm not even talking about like sharing secrets, but like, okay, I should have shared that differently, or I should have, you know, I should have put this into a different context, or I should have, brought this up sooner or later uh, when I had more information. And so, yeah, I think, um, to me, there was, there was one time it was not at cast it was a completely different situation where, um, I was in this weird situation. I was kind of stuck between, um, upper management and, and my team and trying to communicate things that I was hearing. And, and I, by the way, I think that that's the hardest role to be in is in that, that middle management, whether it's a small company or a very large one, because you're taking in information, some of which, I mean, no one's perfect. And sometimes that management is not communicating to you. Quite often, they're not communicating to you in ways that, that they should be. That you're getting information here that you shouldn't have, or you shouldn't have it in the right way, or you should not have to be a keeper of, but you are. And then you have to turn around to your team and make decisions about, okay, am I going to share what I know so that they, you know there's full transparency or am I going to share what they should know? And um, I don't know if there's ever a right answer, but you know, I've definitely made the best decision that I thought was you know, the right move at the time only to see it play out and say, okay, well, that wasn't the right move. Um, you know, whether that was oversharing or, or undersharing. And then, you know, a lot of times you end up kind of having to fall on the sword and just say, okay, I, I did my best. And, you know, I'm, I'm the keeper of some information and the sharer of, of others. And um, it, it's, it's tough. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that that communication piece and that middle level management role is, 
that's like integral to everything that that sweet spot is that middle middle level management role i saw an article the other day about just like coaching versus um i kind of like dictating down and that coaching is so important the communication alongside that coaching at that mid-level manager role is like where the magic happens with like majority of the team directly report into mid-level management so um really good point there i appreciate you sharing that kind of curious kind of going off a different kind of taking a different path here b2b podcasting kind of getting into your world who's who's a who's a podcast that you're like hey man they're rocking out they're, they get it maybe maybe it's not b2c because we know a lot of b2c's right now or like those those folks that have like large followings like a joe rogan or somebody else that's just kind of a well-known but like in the b2b space with who you're involved with and your uh ecosystem like who who comes to mind like who's doing it right yeah, there's there there's a lot and so many more um, now than there were even when we got started a couple of years ago. But uh, two that come to mind, um, actually, I'll, I'll bring up three. So uh, HubSpot, everybody knows HubSpot. They've been doing um, the growth show for a lot longer than people would think. And just recently, they announced um, a network of shows. So they not only have their shows, but they're kind of um, curating others and pulling them together. So that's something really, really cool. The whole idea of companies becoming like, especially B2B companies serving as media companies is not a new idea, but I think especially lately and with what we were all thrown into with the pandemic and having to, having to, getting to, depending on which side of the coin you're on, get more creative. I think we're seeing a lot more of that, like leaning into really serving as a media company. Um, seeing a lot more of that. Another example of that, but in a different way is Drift. Um, they are also doing a lot in and around not just podcasting, but video as well. And how are they, you know, having a conversation, having an event and ringing it out, amplifying it across other channels, looking for ways to repurpose and reuse and uh, capture that evergreen content and use it in a lot of ways. And then, um, Third is OpenView Partners. They're a, a venture firm in Boston. Um, they are also doing really cool things where they're having great conversations and using them. They call it content carousel, where it's like they, they have something and they just keep spinning it out and keep people kind of coming back to that same content over and over and giving people different ways to access that same conversation, um, which is really neat. And then I'll give you one more. So Auth0, they have very um, complex content that's about like security and, and data and they will have a conversation and then supplement that conversation. They'll pull out different clips in, in the course of a big long blog post, pull clips that kind of explain parts of the post and the blog will explain part of the conversation. The conversation will explain part of the blog and then they'll have some graphs and some diagrams to even further help you visualize what they're talking about. And it makes sense of something that is otherwise really complex, which I think is really cool. So it's, it's giving audio, visual, and tactile learners kind of different ways to consume that content. Yeah. That's kind of like the 2.0 or 3.0 like level. That's like, so they're, they're, they're filming like a, 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 a podcast like this, but then they're helping making sense out of like what the dialogue is. If they get technical, they give them like an infographic or something to kind of, yeah, very cool. No, that's, that's interesting. So I wrote all four down HubSpot and Drift we use. So we, we enjoy and appreciate, and they're, they're really good at just like marketing and, but know of OpenView Ventures out in Boston. I know Kyle Lacey worked there for a couple of years and we've had him on the show, but I'll, I'll check out Off Zero. That's cool. Always trying to learn and get better. Um, 
watching other people is how we, um, I call it uh, CDC, collect, discard, and create. So you kind of collect what you like, discard what you don't, and then create your own thing. That's that's how I do pretty much everything. So um, talk to me about just like for, for any of those um, aspiring entrepreneurs, we don't, you know, we don't have a ton um, of aspiring entrepreneur ears, but I do think there's um, some folks in our world that, you know, tune in that, that want to learn how to, to build and grow a business. What, what in your mode in, in your, your, from your standpoint, like, what would you say would be some tips for early stage growth mode founders or just trying to build a business? You said you're scaling up or just at that kind of early bootstrap level. Any tips or thoughts that come to mind to, to help you get get going or scaling? I'll, I'll give one kind of tactical and one like just visionary, I suppose. So tactical, the, the first thing I did, I mean, I, I didn't know I was an aspiring entrepreneur until I jumped, right? So you never know um, what, and for me, it was, I couldn't imagine not doing this. Like once it was in my mind, the, the idea that somebody else maybe could take this idea and run with it absolutely crushed me. I was like, I can't not do this. Um, and so when we got started, uh, just the only thing that made sense to me to do, I have two co-founders, uh, one who kind of leads the, not kind of does lead the product side of the business and the other who really leads the revenue go to market side of the business, Adam and Zachary. And, um, the first thing that we knew to do was I just had conversations. I just started talking to everyone in my network who was a B2B marketer in any way, shape or form and could give me any thoughts about B2B podcasting or, and, or video and, or content and said, okay, this is my thought. What's yours? Why, how, when, if, and those conversations were just good to have. They helped orient me, get me out of my own vacuum. And then by the way, all those notes became the earliest version of the product and the earliest version of our messaging. And that was our pipeline. So looking back that worked out really well. Um, and just our instinct served us really well. And it certainly wasn't just me. It was, it was the three of us working together to say, you do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Um, so I would say start there with conversations, which is ironic because that's where I think you should start with everything. Um, so I think that that's, that's a really good place to start. And then I think the more like visionary side of it is, you know, think bigger, no matter what. Um, I, I think the only thing that has ever limited us is, our vision and which, which keeps getting bigger. And I remember in the earliest days, it was like, you guys, what if we can get here? And then we, we reached that milestone, just blew it out of the water. And then it was like, Oh, okay. Well, what if we can get here? And then we, and then, you know, that, that company that we were like, what if we could get them to be a customer is like a great customer and partner and just love fest all around. And it's like, okay, well, what about here? And what if we can sell a product for this much? And what if we can bake this much value into the product? And then, so just keep thinking bigger and just keep asking yourself, how can we possibly make this goal even more audacious? And um, because that too, someday will limit you and you have to just keep growing your vision and your thought. That's really, that, I think that's, that's gold right there with the conversations piece and thinking bigger. You know, I was talking the other day to Amon Barar who founded Canvas and then sold to Jobvite. And he's had two exits. And he said, and when I met with him, it, he was just starting Canvas. It was a couple of years ago. And he said, all I did was have conversations, vetting out and flushing out, you know, my idea. And they, from there, just like it started to like congeal or kind of, you know, it, it came into a coalesced into an idea that was tangible. And then uh, Canvas was created and it was 
remarkable. We used it, we invested in it and, um, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, just having those conversations to get you started. Okay. So one, one of the last questions I wanted to ask you about, this is, I'm still kind of in the casted space, but there are some like naysayers out there. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need to do B2B podcasting. Like, why do you do this? Even like from my standpoint, I get a little salty because I think there's some haters out there that are, are CEOs that just are like, well, that that's cute, Seth, but what is it? What's the ROI or what do you give me some, like, give me like serve it up for me. Like why? Like, give me why? Cause I'm, I'm a believer, but there's some probably there, there might be some people tuning in today that, um, you know, may, may be on the fence, maybe kind of hating. So give me, give me some, some goodness here as to why B2B podcasting matters and why it matters to like a CEO. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is connection, right? Um, and that's as humans and because it's, it's a basic human need, we all need to feel connected. It's a basic business need because if you want customers, you have to connect with them at some way on a human level. It doesn't matter what you sell, whether it's a product, a service, B2C, B2B, whatever it is. There is some connection that has to happen before someone adds to cart or requests a demo or signs a contract. And the best way to connect, to connect with someone is through conversation, right? So by inviting someone to listen in on a conversation, i.e. a podcast or a video conversation, you are inviting them to connect with you and they will, they will innately feel more connected to your brand if they're listening to a conversation on behalf that's that's taking place between someone between someone who represents your brand and someone else. Like right now, whether whether people are actively feeling it or not, those of the people who are are consuming this content feel even a little bit more connected to Morales Group and to Casted because they're they're in on this conversation. And and that's what this is all about is is connection and and trust building and relationship building and Anyone who has ever done business ever throughout the history of time knows that at least on some level. And now through the beauty of technology, we have the ability to capture these conversations and share them with others and invite other people to be a part of them. And that just makes sense. And I mean, it's not even, it's not even, Hey, take my word for it. It is, you know, there's, there's all kinds of neuroscience around it. There's uh, BBC did a study, um, which I can also share with you that you can link to if you want about um, the way that people, consumers feel connected to brands and have brand recognition and brand awareness and likelihood to buy and propensity to renew and all of these things when they listen to brand podcasts. And it's, it's something that we experience. It's, um, it's real and it's not going anywhere. I love it. I love it. I took a ton of notes. This is phenomenal. This is great. I just, I think it reassures, um, why we do what we do. But it also it's it's really exciting about the potential because it's just getting started and the traction that it's starting to pick up on. I love I love what you said about human connection. It's all about that. And like this is like the platform to do and capture a lot of that human connection. Um, I just remember having um, a podcast episode the other day with Kyle Lacey and Kyle and I go way back. We met when he was like starting up his his marketing agency, Brand Flag, and we're just talking about all the, like he had this old ass Cadillac that he used to drive and just like where he's come and just like that connection of just the memories. And 
um, just understanding just what we've all gone through. And to me, that was like, it was, it was fun. It was rich. I think there were some good nuggets of wisdom that came out of it. But again, it was just like him and I chopping it up, having a good time, catching up um, as if we were having a cup of coffee, no, no milk, no sugar. So thank you for that wisdom. That was, that was rich. Um, I think one of the things that like, I would just personally love to ask you, I definitely read the uh, Forbes article that you were interviewed in, which was really great. Um, I did have like one a quick question. Um, you have such a great tight knit team. And especially like this, this year after the pandemic, we're seeing like this huge wave of people resigning, moving new places. And I kind of wanted to know, like, from your perspective as like, you know, casted with this great culture, but like kind of like a smaller team, like what is your advice for kind of attracting that kind of high level talent and like keeping what you have when people are leaving their employers in droves and when your company grows a lot larger, hopefully in the future, how do you kind of plan to keep that tight knit culture? Cause I know you're a very accessible CEO, but like, how is that possible? You know, as you grow? It's a really good question. Um, I, it's, it's, I love this question because it's so, it's so important to me and I'm sitting here listening and I'm like, I just want this always to be true. Like I, the team is the most important thing, period. It will always will be. And it's the most important thing because it should be the most important thing because they're, they're people and they're the people who've jumped on this rocket ship and who are trusting me and us and this company to be what we told them it would be. But also they're the ones doing it. They're, they're the ones building the things and selling the things and supporting the things and serving our customers. They matter more than anything. And the least I can do is be accessible. Like that's the very least thing I can do is be available and be accessible when, you know, to, to remove roadblocks and to be, be there when they, when they need something. And so I, I hope to always be able to say that I do whatever it takes to, to be there. And I, I know that I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. I know that I do already and, and that I fall short, but you know, at, at the very least, I hope that I can always be available and, and try really, really hard to be who they need me to be. Um, as far as, uh, being that tight knit team and, um, you know, how, how, how to do that, how to, how to retain employees and, and to maintain that culture. Culture is hugely important to us. We tell the story all the time because it's true that when I met with Adam and Zachary for the first time, my two co-founders about like, Hey, are we going to do this thing? We spent, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes talking about the market opportunity and the rest of the time, another hour talking about culture and what we wanted to build and, and how we wanted to be this place that was this uh, a workplace where you truly could bring your whole self that truly was inclusive and accepting and equitable and, and diverse, like of everyone. And um, that's not been a thing we wanted to do. That's who we are as a company and as people. And so I think, and I hope that that shows up um, as like now and as felt as a company, even though we're remote um, still, I, I hope that it's felt when we go back to an office and I hope that it's felt when we're hundreds or, or thousands of people someday. Um, and, you know, somebody said uh, a, a long time ago is something that I, I picked up along the way is you have to be more compelling than the alternative, right? You, you might not be able to offer more money or you might not be able to offer, you know, exactly, you know, the perks or whatever it is that, that a person or a group of people want, but somehow, some way, the brand of your culture that's true, that is real, that is authentic, and that is what is felt and is who you are as a company and who you are as a team has to be more compelling than the alternative. Um, and that has to be what you offer as an experience and as a workplace um, 
and, and if and people will leave. And and I hope that as people depart from casted, which will inevitably happen someday, that it's because they were so well equipped here that they got ready for some other opportunity that for whatever reason we couldn't offer them here. And that we say, yes, this is incredible. Like you did it. And I'm, I'm so excited for you. Um, and I mean, I feel like that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's about the team. And if you always have them at the center, you know, you're, you're going to make better choices. But just the one thing that I really liked, just asking her about, I asked her, I was like, why, why B2B podcasting and why does that matter to a CEO? And like, I think that's her sweet spot. That's her value prop. And I just, you know, I think there's a lot of haters out there that haven't bought in or see it as kind of a, it's kind of a, a nice, like shiny object or trendy thing, but why does it matter? And she talked about that human connection. And at the end of the day, that's all that it is. And um, that's so, that's just so important. I think as a brand and as a business, as a leader, people just want to, you know, be able to connect and understand who you are. And that human connection of what Casted provides as a podcast platform uh, is phenomenal. And so, I don't know, that really stuck out to me. I thought that was great. Just connection matters and building trust. And if you don't have human connection, you don't have these relationships or conversations where people trust one another. It just like different ways of like, there's different um, outlets or channels. And this is just another one of them. And it I really think it dovetails, honestly, very nicely with Morales Group's mission and kind of our why and our story. Like, our entire purpose is people. And so to kind of, um, you know, say that the only thing that matters is connection. I mean, in a complete, we, we are selling completely different products, Casted and Morales Group, but that is exactly the same between both of us. The only thing that matters is connection and the only thing that matters is people. And I liked that connection between kind of like both of our missions and I mean, that's what, that's like how you run a business with, you know, purpose and intention and meaning these days, I think is like, that needs to be your bottom line. You know, one, one other thought that I thought was really um, good for those like early stage founders who are in, you know, growth mode, starting up a business. She said, do two things, you know, have a lot of conversations and then think bigger and don't be afraid to think big. And I think those conversations of, if you have an idea, and really kind of flushing them out with other people that are, you know, maybe have a different viewpoint. It's kind of cool to see how she was able to kind of come up with a, you know, the casted idea through just ideating with other people in her network and, and having a couple of her other founders do the same and then come back and be like, all right, this sounds great. This is, this makes sense. We'll put it together. Um, I've heard other founders and, and, and leaders do that. And so I love it. Mm -hmm. I would, I would love to see her top five strengths. I'm very curious. You better believe ideation's one of them. Oh yeah, she. I mean, um, she's a. You know, we talked about this. So when we initially met, I believe Lindsay said she was a high D on the desk, and she may have been an Enneagram eight or an Enneagram three. So she's. I mean, either of, a, of those make total sense for her. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's super dynamic. I, I like that she talked about how like she's transitioned from being an individual contributor to an executive CEO. That's not easy to do. Like it, you know, didn't have a ton of, um, you know, just in her, I think her profile and her experience, she didn't manage a lot of teams. She had been in middle management before, but just the experience of really kind of leading an overall organization, first time CEO. And so um, there's some good pressure there and just kind of hearing how 
she said, get uncomfortable or get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm always chopping that up, but just how she gets, she's not afraid to kind of jump in and try to figure it out. Um, that, that sounds like somebody that's like an activator who's not, not, not fearful. Um, and I like that. You got to appreciate that. You need leaders like that to kind of jump into the deep end, even though they don't know how to swim that well, and they'll try to figure it out. She's, uh, she's definitely a great example of that. I think too, um, in one of our past episodes, we discussed, um, I think it was a uh, Scott Moorhead's episode where, uh, Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe it was Kyle Lacey's episode talking about imposter syndrome and like, you yeah. know, I mean, even CEOs, like you feel it. And in fact, you probably feel it even more. And so she had that story of how um, someone reached out to her and was asking her advice. And she was, her first thought was, mm -hmm. why are you asking me? <laughs> when in reality, she yeah. did have a lot of experience and a lot of things to be able to share. Thanks for tuning into another episode of No Milk, No Sugar, the podcast about business beneath the sweetener. We hope you learned something and we'd love to hear from you. Tag us with hashtag no milk, no sugar, or email us at no milk, no sugar pod at gmail.com or connect with Seth on LinkedIn. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time.